Good morning, everybody. Very warm welcome to you. For those of you wondering if you're going to suffer from John, Far John Farrow fatigue, can I just point out that um, Eleanor Sh Aldridge should have been leading this service this morning. Unfortunately, she is still not well, so please pray for her. And I've been asked to stand in, um, in the breach. A few brief notices. I've said brief before, I'll try and make it true for once. Alpha is coming up. It starts on the 25th of January, which is Tuesday fortnight. This Tuesday, there is a repeat of the training evening at 7 o'clock in the foyer here. It'll also be live streamed, I understand, for anybody. We would encourage you to come along, even if you haven't signed up to Alpha as a helper or whatnot. But if you want to know more about it, if you think you could be, help, uh, could be used in this way, then please do come along. We'd love to see you. That's at seven o'clock in the foyer. Um, as last Sunday was 2nd of January, and most, a lot of people were away, we didn't have one then, but we will have it tonight in the foyer at seven o'clock. That's our monthly time of worship and prayer, particularly um, for outreach into the village and beyond. Advanced warning, we're back to the normal, uh, normal um, routine of services this month after all the uh, changes over Christmas, which means that next week it is a joint service at 10 o'clock. You're more than welcome to um, turn up at 9 o'clock if you want to, but you'll get very cold waiting, uh, waiting outside. So just remember, it's 10 o'clock. And finally, one bit of sad news I think most of you have heard already of the sad loss of Anne Gwillem in a hospital in Swindon earlier this week. We don't have any more details um, about funeral arrangements or anything like that, but please pray for the family um, and live to a good long uh, life. And whereas we're sad to lose her, we rejoice that she is now with Jesus, praising him around his throne, united again with Brian, her husband. So please pray, but please do pray for the family. So as we come into the Lord's presence, a couple of sentences of scripture. The psalmist encourages us to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. He encourages us to give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. And the writer of the Hebrews amplifies that. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. So a moment of quiet as we come into the presence of our risen Lord. Our great high priest, who went to the cross for us, and has secured for us complete forgiveness for all our sins. And so as we Believe that. We say yes. We say amen to that truth. Let us come into God's presence.
as he stands in our midst now with his hands outstretched, showing us the prints of the nail in each palm, reminding us of his love for each one of us. Let's say, as we continue to focus on Jesus, let's say our opening prayer together. Can we have the, old, oh, the opening prayer, please, Ian? I think probably most of us um, have said this often enough that we probably know it by heart, so we'll say it anyway. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Amen. So our first song today is, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, we turn to God and we proclaim how great you are. Shall we stand?
seated. The theme of our service this morning is fix your eyes on Jesus. And in a moment, Malcolm is going to come and read the first three verses of Hebrews 12, and then Peter will preach to us. So let's, before we hear that, let's just pray for Peter and for Malcolm. Lord, as we hear your word read this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come and convict us where we need convicting and speak to us where we need to hear. And we do want to pray your blessing on Peter as well as he comes to preach. Lord, give him your words. Lord, the scripture says that we have the mind of Christ. Lord, will you give that afresh to Peter this morning and bless his words to us. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The reading today is from the book of Hebrews, from chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Happy New Year to you all. Lovely to see you again. And uh, of course, and I say that I'm including in that the great cloud of witnesses who are joining us online, who we can't see, and yet we trust are there. Welcome to you all. Well, a new year is a good time to set uh, the course for the year ahead, isn't it? And as John said in his uh, really good talk last week, I, I listened to it online. 
Uh, we are still amid a lot of uncertainty, aren't we, in the world around us. Uh, this COVID pandemic is ongoing, isn't it? It goes on and on. And as a church, uh, we face the new year amidst all the uh, uncertainty, uncertainties and troubles of the world around us. But we do that keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. It's also a time to look back and look forward. So if you can cast your mind back uh, with me to the summer of last year, uh, you might remember the month of prayer we had in August uh, last year, and uh, we looked together at some of the songs of ascent in the Psalms, and uh, we also had midweek listening prayer on Wednesday, do you remember that? And uh, you might also then remember we had 24 hours of prayer in the middle of September, and we uh, gave that time, devoted that time to listen to God again and seeking his face and what he might be saying to us. And through all of that, we asked your feedback. We asked you to, to listen to God and then to provide what you felt God was saying to us as a church, whether that was a word or a scripture or an image that God, you felt God had given to you to share with uh, myself and other church leaders. And so again, I want to say a very big thank you to you uh, for those, the sharing of those words uh, uh, with myself and other leaders. And also, I want to say uh, thank you for your patience in, in waiting to hear where all that is going and what we're doing with all of that. So thank you for your uh, patience in that as well. Now, following all of that uh, last year, towards the end of last year, in the autumn of last year, I asked a small group, uh, Richard Lansdale, Ursula and John Langridge, to then prayerfully sift the words that have been received uh, and to try and then discern what is God saying to us as a church? What are the themes that come through those different words, those different scriptures and, and, and images and so on? And all of that was quietly going on behind the scenes in the lead up to Christmas. So uh, that was uh, happening behind the scenes, as it were. And so this talk, this sermon, and the following two Sundays, so the three talks in all, make up a little series where we're going to be thinking about, well, what... What do we feel God might be saying to us at this point in our life as a church? And a big thing I want to get across in this particular talk is this. If we're going to be faithful in our walk with Jesus, both as individuals and as a church collectively, we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, that's not rocket science. You, you've heard that many times before, but that is absolutely key and central and important. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Think about it for a moment and think about some of the biblical, biblical figures we know of and what happened to them. And these are a few examples. What about Cain way back in the Old Testament in, in Genesis? What happened when he took his eyes off God? Well, he took his eyes off God, put them on his brother, and he killed Abel. What about Moses? Again, way back in the Bible, in the Old Testament. What happened to him when he took his eyes off God and he uh, got distracted and took his eyes off what God was saying? Well, he killed an Egyptian. 
What about some others from the Old Testament? Well, the Israelites as a, as a whole nation, when they took their eyes off God and, and, and just went their own way, well, they literally went their own way. They wandered around and around for 40 years in the wilderness. Or King Saul. What happened to him when he took his eyes off God? And doing his own will, he was rejected as king. But what happens when people do fix their eyes on God? What is the opposite of that? Well, Abraham. Abraham fixed his eyes on God and he became the father of a great nation. Moses, when he fixed his eyes on God, he led the children of Israel out of Egypt into freedom. David, the shepherd boy, he became king and defeated his enemies. Paul in the New Testament preached the gospel in prison and out of prison. Many things and many people, as is always the case, will try and divert our attention from looking to Jesus. So this talk is an encouragement to us all to do that and to give some pointers in the doing of that. So let's read again that amazing passage you just had read from Hebrews 12 and uh, let's see what God might be saying to us through it. So let's, let's have another look at it. It's Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that, that's so easily entangled. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, there are three things I want to say about this passage that I want, I want us to just to sort of take note about, really, and how we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I think we need to consider these three things. Firstly, what do we need to reject? Secondly, how do we run this race that is set before us? And thirdly, where do we need to look? So, firstly, what do we need to reject what do we need to get rid of? Look at the first part of, of verse 1 with me. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders <clears throat> and the sin that so easily entangles. A long-time sinner once opened the newspaper and he was shocked to read in the obituary column that he had died. He immediately phoned his best friend and said, did you see the paper? It says I'm dead. His friend replied, yes, I read that, and I know where you're calling from. Now, I, I say this, I know there's people here who are grieving, so I say this gently. I know there's, a, there's an opinion that when Christians die, they're in heaven watching us like a great cloud of witnesses. I'm not convinced that's true. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 5 and 6 says this, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, 
Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Ecclesiastes is saying, what is, what's happening under the sun is, in other words, is here on earth, on, in this world. And so those who pass into glory have no part in this life anymore. They do not know what we are doing. If they did know what is going on in, in this life and the pain and the suffering of this world, the pain and the suffering in our lives, how could they be at peace with Jesus? They couldn't. So that's why Hebrews chapter 12 begins with the word therefore. Therefore. So what's the chapter 12 there for of Hebrews? Well, chapter 12 of, of Hebrews is there to encourage us with examples of those of great faith who have lived in the past, who have been before us, who have gone before us. Heroes of faith who are listed in chapter 11. So if you've got a Bible, you can just literally look back to the previous chapter and it's all there, the whole long list of heroes of faith. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, etc., etc. Heroes of faith who are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews are the witnesses who encompass us. But note, they are witnesses to us, but they are, they are, not, witness they are not witnesses of us. They are witnesses to us about living a life of faith. They are godly examples to us to encourage us to finish the race for Christ. The Bible is saying, if these people made it, so can we. Think about it. The saints of old who have gone before us, they did all of those things without telephones, without mobile phones, without iPads, without iPhones, without tablets, without email, without cars, without digital TVs, without comfortable church buildings with videos and PowerPoint and PA systems and contemporary Christian music, and without evangelists like Rick Warren, without authors like Max Lucado and Philip Yancey. Then just think what we can do with all these things. All these resources and more to help us. Can we do better? We could if we wanted to. And so the witnesses around us are an encouragement to us. They were faithful to God under very trying, testing circumstances. <clears throat> they made it to the finishing line and so can we. So what is stopping us? What is hindering us? What is getting in the way? What does Hebrews say? Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So whoever wrote Hebrews, I'm not sure who, who wrote it, but whoever wrote Hebrews is saying and using this analogy of running, racing to the finishing line. And in the, the New Testament, that's a, that's a favourite analogy, isn't it, of course, of discipleship. Paul used it over and over again in his letters. Run the race, finish the course. But anybody who's ever tried running or jogging or racing, athletes the world over, know there are things that get in the way. There are, there are things that hinder their progress. There are things that slow them down. 
It might be any number of things. It might be lethargy. It might be exhaustion. It might be lack of motivation. It might be lack of training. It might be a number of things. And the same is true for our spiritual lives. Any number of things can get in the way. And Hebrews is very clear what that is. It's sin. Sin gets in the way. Sin besets us. And so Hebrews says we need to strip off everything that slows us down, everything that, th- that hinders us, that, and it says lay aside every weight. How do we do that? How do we uh, get rid of the sin that's besetting us? Wouldn't it be nice if God was specific here? Wouldn't it be good, wouldn't it be helpful if God actually named the sins that we need to get rid of and labeled them? And so they would know what sins are going to trip us up and they could say, well, therefore I get rid of that sin and I don't have anything to do with it anymore. Interesting enough, God does. He says sin is what so easily besets us and trips us up. Sin. Not just the big ones, not just like murder, not adultery, you know, the big sins. Not just the obvious ones, ones like addictive behavior. The Bible here says all sin, all sin is a bad thing for those who are running the race. But then thinking about it, most of us have a sin that is particularly besetting. You might call it a signature sin. And so our signature sin, <coughs> excuse me, is the sin that we struggle with all the time. And so it could be anything, it could be any number of things. And this is a, a, a list of examples of what it might be. It might be addiction. It might be obsession. It might be a habit. It might be an attitude. It might be a bias. It might be a critical spirit. It might be temper. It might be selfishness. It might be gossip. <clears throat> it might be bitterness. It might be being untruthful. It might be impatience. It might be envious spirit. It might be internet porn. It might be self-righteousness. And the list goes on and on and on. There's a dessert buffet of delectable signature sin goodies that is long and piled high with things that are very bad for anyone wanting to keep going and growing as a Christian. So, how do we respond to that challenge of Hebrews saying, strip off every sin, get rid of it, this thing that entangles, how do we break that chain that besets us and trips us up in that pursuit of being like Jesus? Well, I'm being brief here, and this, this is a whole sermon in itself. I've got four bullet points, and I'm going to just... This is, this is a, a, a suggestion of how you target that signature sin that's getting in the way and consistently trips you up, me up. Confess it. Confess it. Seek God's help and the support of others. Speak it out. Secondly, face it head on. You can't escape it. If it's there, you've got to face it. And you've got to resist it until temptation passes. Another thing to do is to set one-week goals to achieve victory over whatever that sin is that's getting in your way. Set a goal 
for one week. And when you reach that goal, celebrate. Tell yourself, well done. Whatever happens, however small that is, say, you know, tell yourself, well done. It's a good thing to win over sin. And so whenever you're struggling, whenever I'm struggling with, with living a Christian life and keeping going, keeping going, keeping going, think about these people of, of the past. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Job and others. And through that, maybe you'll be encouraged, hope you'll be encouraged to keep on going and enduring for the sake of Christ. So what do we need to get rid of? We need to get rid of that sin that's entangling us. <clears throat> How do we run this race set before us? Well, it's there at the end of verse 1. And let us run the race with perseverance. The race marked out for us. We're called to run with perseverance. I know a lot of you, well, in fact, I think all of you, have been Christians for a long time. <clears throat> and we know, don't we, that being a Christian is a hard thing to do. It's never plain sailing as a Christian, is it? But God gives us grace in Christ to persevere. And we're encouraged along the way by the examples of these people who have been blessed by grace to keep going. And so we've noticed, haven't we, in chapter 11, <clears throat> there's a list of these people who have followed God, who have been faithful to God. And these were not perfect people. These far from perfect people. Abraham... Um, if you remember, you, you may not remember this bit, but Abraham uh, feared that he would be killed so that somebody else could take his wife. And so he pretended his wife was his sister. He's not, he wasn't perfect, Abraham. Jacob lived a life of deceit. He stole his, brother's, uh, his brother Esau's birthright and his blessing and then later deceived his father-in-law, Laban. Moses tried to use every excuse he could to try and get out of, you know, I don't want to leave these people out of Egypt, God. Somebody else can do it, please, somebody else can do it, apart from me. David, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery with Bathsheba and then, tried, and then tried to cover his sin and had her husband killed. Every single person in Hebrews 11 had great challenges. Every single one was not perfect. But because of their faith in God, they persevered. And they ran the race of faith. And so I'd encourage you to read that chapter. And when you read it, you'll see that these are people who are, yes, are great of, of faith, and yet they're just like me, just like you. They encounter sin. And the same is true for us today. We can read of Christians who, because of their faith in Christ, are able to persevere in their faith. People are being oppressed, who are being persecuted, who are faced with execution and yet persevere because of their faith in Christ. And often, though, sometimes you can think, well, that's not, you know, I'm not as good as that. I'm not as holy as that. I'm not as strong as that. 
But it's about choosing, isn't it? It's a matter of ma- making that choice of following Christ every day, in the everyday, in the humdrum, in the ordinary, in the small stuff as well as the big. I will follow you. We're not promised it's going to be easy. It's a race, and running a race takes perseverance. It takes endurance. But with the Spirit of God with us, in us, we can keep running. We can keep going. He is with us at all times. He gives us that perseverance to keep going. So how, what do we need to do? We need to get rid of sin. How do we do it with perseverance? And lastly, where do we need to look? Look at verses 2 and 3 with me. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Occasionally when I'm driving along, and I'm, I'm not perfect as a driver, obviously, but occasionally I'm driving along, I notice there's a driver who's near me or in front of me who's sort of gazing around at the scenery or, you know, looking around, even worse, looking at their mobile phone, which is an absolute no-no. And that, to me, is a sure way of having an accident. Whenever we take our focus off the main thing and put it on something else, we're on course for an accident. And whenever we take our focus on, off Jesus, that's a sure way to have a spiritual accident. And I'm absolutely convinced that the reason most of us have so much trouble in life is because we lose our spiritual focus. We take our eyes off Jesus. And so the writer of the Hebrews says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus was and is the winner of all winners. He conquered death and sin and Satan on the cross. On the cross, Jesus said to Satan, I win, you lose. Jesus is the ultimate winner in life who encourages us to to keep going, to persevere. He is the one who saves us. He is the one who motivates us. He is the one who encourages us to make it in the journey of life. Yes, the saints of Hebrews 11 are there for our inspiration. And the saints who have gone before us, who have died, are there to show it is possible to keep going, to run the race, to finish the course. But none of them match Jesus. Jesus is the one who is both man and God. Jesus is the one who is our devoted servant, our effective priest, and our enthroned Lord. Consider him who endured such such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We need to consider Jesus. Look to him when we are weary, when we are tempted to give up. Look to him for support, encouragement, and strength. As Paul says to the Philippians, we can do all things through him who strengthens us. But don't just consider him. Look to him daily in the scriptures. 
keep, look to him in your prayers. Keep your focus on him and you'll find that traveling the highway of faith is more of a joy than a struggle. It's always better to have the winner beside you giving you instruction and, and encouragement. John quoted this at the start of our service. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have a Savior who is with us in this life, who understands what it means to live this life. He has empathy with us. He is able to help us to keep going, to survive and succeed. So as I said at the start, this talk is about what God might be saying to us as a church right now. Much of what I said relates to each of us as individuals. But remember, as individuals, we make up the body of Christ. And it's as we are obedient as individuals, that enables God to use us as church more effectively for his purposes. And we do that first and foremost with our eyes fixed firmly on him. As the words of that great old hymn by Helen Lemmel say, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray. Lord, we fix our eyes on you. We turn our face to you. Lord, at the start of this new year, we offer ourselves to you and ask that you, in your wonderful mercy, your wonderful grace, would use us as your church to fulfill those purposes that you have for us. We thank you for your great love, your great mercy, your great grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Peter. going to spend a bit of time in response <coughs> to what Peter said. I want to divide this response time into two sections. The first one, we're going to revisit what Peter was saying about what do we need to reject. And in an informal way, we're going to use this as our confession this morning. So before we consider this, let's just again ask 
the Lord Jesus to come. Come, Lord Jesus, you who did not flinch from the cross, but endured the cross and all that it, all that it meant for you. Come now, Lord, in your love and in your power, that we might have the ability to shake off these things and lay them aside. Amen. Peter read a whole list of things that we might need to consider. I didn't manage to get half of them down. But this, is, this is what I got. Addiction, obsession, critical spirit, gossip, anger, porn addiction, self-righteousness. I don't know what it is the Lord is speaking to you about. I know what he's speaking to me about. But because of the cross, we can come to him. If Peter will excuse me... Uh, rearranging his bullet points slightly. We can face up to the reality of what these things are in our lives. And we can confess them. Which means we talk to God about them, we talk to Jesus about them. We admit they are wrong. And we lift them up to them and let them flow into his cross. And as we do so, we hear the words of John the Baptist saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And because of that, We can see him with our mind's eye taking those sins from us. Paul reminds us that God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. And that sin died with him on the cross. So because of that, we can turn our face to Jesus and renounce that sin, whatever it is. And his power is enough to hold us. And having looked at the cross, we then look up, we see him rising from the dead, ascending to the Father, sending his spirit to each one of us. And praying at the Father's foot, uh, before the Father's throne for each one of us. remind ourselves again that we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin 
So let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And God freely gives us that grace. The second part of our response is to pray that the God will give us the grace and strengthen our resolve to keep our eyes on him, to keep practicing the presence of Jesus, who never leaves us, never forsakes us. That we may too know the joy of walking with him. Amen. Having met with Jesus, having done business with him, we now focus again on, the, on what he has done for us on the cross. And we're going next to proceed into communion. And then after that, we will return our eyes to earth, as it were, for, for our intercessions. But now let us just keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and what he did for us, in, the words of, in particular in the words of our next hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
We're going to use Eucharistic prayer B. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word, through whom you have created all things, who was sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he took flesh. As your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin, he lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the source of all holiness. Granted by the power of your Holy Spirit and according to your holy will, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption. As we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, we bring before you this bread and this cup, and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and this one cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord. By whom and with whom and in whom in the unity of the Holy Spirit all honour and glory be yours, Almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. for me broken for you the body of Jesus broken for you he offered his body he poured out his soul. Jesus was broken that we might be whole. Broken for me, Lord. Broken for you. The body of Jesus, broken for you. Come to my table, and with me dine. Eat of my bread, and drink of my wine broken for me broken for you the body of Jesus broken for you This is my body given for you. Eat it remembering I died for you.
This is my blood I shed for you. For your forgiveness, making you new. for me broken for you the body of Jesus broken The body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. And we'll say this prayer together following communion. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. Now, as we ask the Lord to send us out in the power of the Spirit into the world, before we go, let's just bring the needs of the world before him. Let us first of all pray for our nation. For our government and all the immense problems they face.
pray for all those trying to formulate the best response to the COVID crisis. Let's pray for wisdom, for insight, for compassion. Let's pray for them as they consider the best way to respond to the energy crisis. And also as they consider the best response to labor shortages, partly because of COVID, partly because of the ongoing repercussions of Brexit. So Lord, as you have commanded us to pray for all in authority, we pray for Boris Johnson and his government for wisdom. We pray for our Queen as she oversees and advises quietly. We pray for wisdom for her. We thank you for her long reign. We pray for strength for her, Lord, as she continues to hold the reins of this country. As she comes to the 70th anniversary of her accession to the throne. We give thanks to her, for, to you rather, Lord, for her witness to you and for her faith in you. Shifting our focus now a bit, a bit we pray for the people of this country. particularly all those who do not know Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, for mercy on this country, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move upon us and convict people of their need for you and of their sin. That they might come to know the joy of knowing the living God who gave his life for their sins. We pray in particular, Lord, for our Alpha course coming up in a couple of weeks' time. We pray that people would hear the truth and they would know the truth and that the truth would set them free. We pray for all those taking part in whatever form of leadership. Pray for the technical side that I might that, Lord, you would banish all gremlins from the system and that people would be able to hear clearly your message to them. Again, shifting our focus, we pray for those known, uh, the, those known to us who are sick. We pray particularly for Eleanor, still struggling with chest infection at home. We pray your healing on her, Lord. In a moment of quiet, let's remember any others known to us who are, uh, who are suffering any form of sickness or illness at this time.
And we pray too for the bereaved. For all who have been bereaved in, in recent months. We pray particularly for the family of Anne Gwillem in their fresh grief. Can we also please pray for Jill Griffiths and her family, still known, still known to many of us, following the death of her mother yesterday. We lift them all up to the dear to the Lord who bore their griefs and carried their sorrows. And who still walks with them in the valley of tears. For Lord, we are in your name we offer all these prayers to you. Knowing that you know all the people we've prayed for and you love them and you gave your life for them. And we thank you for this. Thank you for hearing our prayers and for answering them, Lord. Amen. We've been challenged to keep our eyes upon Jesus. So in our final hymn is a hymn of praise to Jesus and to, our, uh, and to God our Father. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. Sorry, no, the signing was many times. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry, Sue. Shall we stand?
Martin, can you keep that slide up just for a moment, please? I think it'd be good before we share the peace together and bless each other in the grace. Just the second half, it'd be good to, re to read those words out aloud together. So let's say together, all hail, Redeemer, hail, for thou hast died for me. Thy praise shall never, never fail throughout eternity. And that God who, to whom all praise is due, our Saviour Jesus, to whom all praise is due, stands in our midst. And he says, your sins are forgiven. He says, I am with you always. My peace be with you. So, as we finish this service, let us share the peace of the Lord. Let, let bless each other with the words of the peace. So we say together, the peace of the Lord be with you. And also with you. Let's very briefly share the peace with each other. And finally, as we close our service, let's say the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you for worshipping with us this morning.